Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the media tab. Thank you and God bless. Um, you know, there's no easy way to lead into this. We're, we're going to pick up where we stopped last week when it talks about the weapon of fear. But before we do so, I, I don't know about you, but I was you know, pulled aside by a lot of different things yesterday concerning the 20th anniversary of 9-11. A lot of images, a lot of programs, a lot of focus on this, a lot of focus on that. And I, I don't know about you, but if, if you were alive at that point, it speaks to a time that you remember exactly where you were at and what happened. You remember that atmosphere, that culture. You remember the smells. You remember the the panic to a degree. You remember what it was like to come together that next Sunday and the unity that everybody felt at that time, the, the heart, the, the God bless America. Something took place, something happened, but something had entered into us as well, and it changed the face of our country. And I just want to remind us of that one more time because I, I don't think we can remind ourselves. Yeah, I heard it said yesterday, and I agree with it. It's something that we don't ever want to forget that we want to forget. That's exactly what it's about. So just for a moment, take a look at this. The world was different that day. The economy was booming, 401ks were solid, and a vast eight out of 10 Americans wouldn't be able to define the word Jihad. On that day, something happened that changed everything. That day was a Tuesday. For most of us, our only connection to the events of that day was what we saw on television. However, we are all connected and that we all have a place. For some of us, it's a spot on the highway. For others, it's in an office. Or at coffee with a friend. It's the place we will never forget. The place where we watched it happen on that day. So here we are, many days later, still hurt, still angry, still trying to understand why. 1 Corinthians 13 explains that we don't see things clearly right now. In essence, we just won't be able to understand in this lifetime things like what happened on that day. However, it goes on to say that one day we will see all things clearly. But until that day comes, we have three things to embrace to help us in our reconciliation. Faith in God, unswerving hope, and love. And the greatest of the three is love. Through the shock and the horror, something else happened on that day. 
Although the evil intentions appeared to be a success, our country embraced the complete opposite of what was intended. Instead of division, there was unity. Instead of confusion, there was clarity. And instead of falling apart, we banded together. But then again, that's the way one nation under God will always respond. That day 20 years ago, as I said, changed everything. And you know, it's amazing how things have continued to change. Yeah, I remember my first experience going through the airport. It used to be that you could walk right up to the gate, you know, to see your loved one off, or they were waiting for you when you came out that, that little tunnel from the plane, and everybody had that celebration. It was always a fun time, and now, now, now you dropped them off at the door and said bye-bye. Walk through, you know, checks and pat downs and x rays and beeps and sounds and everything else. And I love that word they use sometimes when you go through TSA. They say, You've been randomly selected. I love that one. But, but the truth of the matter is, we call it precaution, we call it taking and implementing procedures so that kind of event doesn't have to happen anymore. But the truth be known, there's a lot of fear that gets wrapped up into that. There's a lot of anxiety that goes along with it. And that's gone right through the ages. And now here we sit today, and there's so many levels of anxiety that are out there. People are walking in, in places of fear. There are people that won't even come out of their house for fear of, of, of contacting a, a disease, a uh, uh, you know, other things that are taking place. They, they fear what holds tomorrow. They're, they're petrified at, at, at government situation. Everything is, is you know, and, and man, do the stories fly, and they begin to hype it up, and they begin to grow it, and all we do is talk about it. You're going to hear me reiterate a statement I made last week, and, and I want you to remember that whatever has your attention has you. And of all these things have your attention, they've got you. And there's a, there's a reciprocal to that. And I, I, you can argue it all you want, but the truth of the matter is, I've seen people, when it comes to money, that's all their attention is about. It's got them. And, and there's so many things that are driven one way or, or another. And that's just for today. What about tomorrow? How many are fearful of tomorrow and what tomorrow holds Lord and, and, and doesn't call us home? I'll tell you what, you know, if he needs me to, I'll blow the trumpet, you know? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready for something more than what we have here in this world. I mean, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not going to pass out purple Kool-Aid today for us to partake in, but, but the, the reality is, <laughs> that's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> but, but the truth is, it's amazing what this world continues to throw at us, what the enemy continues to try to bring about. And, and, and it, you know, uh, it doesn't take long to realize 
that when we're in the heat of these battles, the enemy will do anything to bring us down in defeat. Now, I want to recap just a couple things from last week, sort of to get us into the place of carrying on. I want to go to the second part of understanding and, and, and working with, and, and I'll say it again. God has equipped us with every weapon, with every tool that we need to stand not only up and against, but to take down whatever the enemy throws at us because he's already defeated the enemy. So, uh, you know, I'll say this again. It, it, he's going to do anything to bring you down. And, 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 and I say that because not only on the physical battlefield, but it's also on the spiritual front lines that the enemy lurks. And he's seeking to destroy us so that we will not serve God or do his will. It distracts us. It takes us away. It, it, just, it just blinds us from all that's happening and taking place. Look, extreme as it may seem, Satan is convinced that if he can accomplish his goals, you're going to become discouraged, fearful, and you're going to want to give up. I see way too many believers that are in that place. I know what it's like to walk through it myself. It's like a big, heavy cloud just sort of hangs around you. You become discouraged because of events or situations or life in general. You just want to give up. Look, a, a disarmed, discouraged believer is absolutely, positively no threat to him. And, 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 and I say that because that's a believer who has, has, has fallen into defeat. You know, we're talking about a disarmed, discouraged believer who has, has fallen into not only defeat, but has been suffocated by guilt, by shame. Again, not a threat to him. Some of us sit in this place this morning overwhelmed with guilt, overwhelmed with shame, overwhelmed with certain things in our life, overwhelmed with what the enemy tells us and says to us about how we're not living up, how we're not living right, how we've got these things. There, there. And, and you know what? You become absolutely no threat to the enemy. I got news for you. I don't care what the enemy puts out. You and I are to be taking back what he's stolen. For the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it how? So quit being so nicey-nicey. How long are you going to let him use you as a doormat? The weapons of your warfare are not what? What does that mean? Flesh. Look at, your Look at the person next to you. Do they have flesh? Okay, check them out. Make sure they're not... <laughs> they're not your problem. They're not your problem. The bottom line is, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, 
We're talking about the enemy here. Look, uh, uh, you know, uh, just, just be aware that he who, <coughs> the enemy does not, <coughs> excuse me, hesitate to, 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 do, to, to, to play dirty. And, and one, one of the things you've got to remember, he is specifically trying to separate you from God and his blessings. Let's say it again. I'm going to reiterate it from last week. Fear is a powerful weapon. It, is a, it has the ability to prevent us from experiencing the blessings of God. It can paralyze us to such a degree that we will actually lose our godly perspective concerning our circumstances. You do realize God is in everything, not just some things. He's at work all the time. I don't care. Look, he, mm, 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 he will never fail you. Know. He's right there in the middle of that hell you're walking through. Here's a little suggestion. Keep walking through. Don't stop. <laughs> and, you know, because it, it, fear can paralyze us to such a degree that it clouds our vision of the future. Leaves us struggling with doubts. And, and when our lives are shrouded in fear, we can't imagine. Doesn't even, can't, can't come close to imagining the goodness that God has for us. God is so good for me. Look, there are times in our own lives that the battle with fear seems to grow to a point where we, we feel tempted to give up, as I said. We may have started at a as, as it may have started as a subtle threat that now escalates to the point of, of some serious warfare going down. We have a choice. Say that with me. We have a choice. We can succumb to fear or we can use it to strengthen us in our walk with Christ. That's one of the two. Look, whenever you place your faith in Christ and become uh, determined not to fall, victim to fear, you find that God gives you strength for the battle, my friend. Uh, I want to remind us of our text that we, we had from last week. It says that God gives strength to the weary. God gives strength to the weary. God gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. <laughs> I chose this version for the, the New American Standard Version because of the way it accents the verbiology. It says very simply that those who wait, not upon, as we're used to hearing it, but for the Lord. That puts it in a different perspective, don't it? Wait for those who wait for him will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. Can somebody say amen? Look, a fearful person wonders what, you know, what's laying behind this corner? What, what trial's going over here? What situation is waiting for me around the next turn of the road? And, and they worry that something's going to go wrong. And it will be beyond their ability to handle it, obviously. They don't realize that buying into fear, they have stepped 
on one of the most destructive devices that there is from the enemy, and that is the word fear. And the truth is, friend, while some trials may seem more than we can handle, they are never more than what God can handle. And again, as a reminder, what, what Paul said, it's not in your notes, but it says faith comes from what? Hearing, and hearing by what? Exactly. We must never, ever forget that the first step toward conquering fear is, as was prayed here just a little bit ago, gaining truth and knowledge. Friend, when the thoughts of fear occur, and guess what? They're going to occur. How many know that? All it takes is walking in a dark room and hearing something squeak. What, what, or sitting in the doctor's office and hearing him say, cancer. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it again. When thoughts of fear occur, we must make a choice based on the truth that we know. And my concern is how many believers don't know. And, and, and I, I applaud pastors and, 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 and evangelists that teach us, the books that are written, all those you know podcasts and, and, and CDs that are out there and all those things that contribute to an understanding or a knowledge but, but I'm going to guarantee you something. The big thing that is pulled back is what Jesus talked about, the Holy Spirit revealing to us, bringing us that knowledge, the Holy Spirit teaching us. I, I'm, I'm talking about it, the, the, the fact that, that we make a choice based on, on, on the truth we know. And that truth, usually the best things are not taught, they are what? Caught. You experience them that, mm-hmm, yeah, let's cut that out. You experience them in your relationship with him, in your walk with him. You continue to know revelation and understanding. Sometimes it feels you're going through the motions, but you don't stop because you just simply, you continue to want the passion that's there. You begin to experience things in your walk with him. It's day by day. You don't suddenly get an injection from God goes, and all the boom, you're a muscle man, super Christian. I know I have the physique for it, but it takes time. You never graduate from the school of Christ. And, 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 and I say this because in our minds, they've been programmed, if, if they've been programmed with, with the word of God, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When that takes place, and thy word have I hid where? In my heart, that I might not sin again. Look, 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 look. It, 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 we're going to be able with the word that has taken flesh, become flesh. We'll be able to discern truth from fiction. Uh, we'll be able to discern a real threat from a perceived danger. What frustrates a pastor like me is that some people hear God's word taught to them week after week in church, but they never apply his principle to their lives. And as a result, when, when a threat comes, they feel defenseless. But I'm here to declare to you, no matter who you are, 
You're not defenseless. Jesus told his followers, are not, this is for you, Terry, are not two sparrows, just an inside joke, he had to be in the prayer room earlier, are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So that means there's some of you that are worth at least a couple cents. Did I, did I just say that? I did, didn't I? You know what? I, I don't think we stop to realize that the enemy is watching. The reason? He's ready to launch a fearful attack against your heart. But you don't have to become his victim, friend. You and I have a huge, mighty arsenal at our disposal through Jesus Christ. End result is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the enemy of our, of our lives, the enemy of our hearts, the enemy of our soul is relentless. He's going to push against you with things like words of doubt. He's going to seek to make you think that you're incapable of doing the work God has called you or led you to do or, or that you have misunderstood God in some way about this, that, or anything else. Look, reality, fear, limits our ability to achieve the goals that God wants us to reach and enjoy. Look at your neighbor one more time. Do they look like they're enjoying things? Okay, we'll not go there now. Fear undermines self-confidence. What it does is it enslaves and it encompasses your entire life. Now, I, I don't... So you make decisions based on your fear. You live according to your fear. You speak according to your fear. Your whole life is basically encompassed by this fear, be it just a little, little bitty fear or a huge overwhelming fear. It's a fear nonetheless. Now, let me reiterate these couple points before I get on to where I want to go. But friend, Understand, victory over fear comes when you learn to focus on the Savior and His instruction to you. Friend, this entire world is fighting for your focus. Every cause out there is wanting you to, is wanting your attention concerning their focus. They want you to focus on, on, on from everything from, you know, <laughs> You know, an alternate lifestyle to saving the whales, which I'm a big fan of. It just wants your attention. And they want that attention for approval for a lot of different things. But the end result is whatever pulls your attention away from him has got you. Now, remember, at the core of fear is a, a lack of 
Why is that? Because fear replaces faith. It's the opposite of. So when you're in fear, you're not in faith. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. Also, a lack of trust in his provision. Oh, where can I go with that one? I mean, there's so many different avenues or, or break-offs that you know, trust in his. Is God enough? He's more than enough. Uh, and how about the, the core of fear is, is the ignorance of his presence? Friend, it's not about conjuring up God's presence. God's presence is here. The heart is to see that presence manifested. Fear will always keep that from happening. Fear will always keep us in a place of isolation and darkness, no matter if God's around us or not, because choices matter. And how about the dismissal of his eternal protection? Well, I see so many people tied up in the fear of life, they forget about eternity. How I many you know this is just the practice field? And don't forget overlooking his unconditional love. That's a fear factor, friend, big time. Why? Because there are people that are believing because of who they are, what they've done, where they've been, God could never love them. Why, why does God love you? Look at that person again beside you. Oh, look at the other person beside you. You know, ask yourself, why does God love them? And I'm not saying something mean. That's not the idea. Turn to them and say with me, God loves you because you exist. Hello? God doesn't love you because you're the best. God doesn't love you because you're as good looking as me. I heard that laughter. <laughs> God doesn't love you because of anything concerning you or what you do. God loves you because he exists. <laughs> I'm going to be quoting the verse a little bit, but I just got to say it right now. I love him because... He first loved me, absolutely. Uh, okay, but, but let, let's, let's, let's say it this way. This point is just as huge, and that is that we struggle with fear because we allow our imaginations to go places that God never intended us to visit. Hello? Our minds will go, and I hate this. This really drives me nuts because the enemy, I mean, here I am, and I'm struggling with an issue. I, I've, I've preached this, taught this how many times? But here I am in this present situation, and I don't know whether uh, if this is going to happen or that's going to happen, or it's a life or death situation, or it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a financial overload, or I've lost my job, or my family, or this, that, or that. It doesn't matter. But here's what we do right here in this situation. We allow the enemy to get our mind clear down here. To get us thinking, how am I going to make it when I get there? I, I, I like, life isn't going to be able to work there. I can't do this. If the outcome is this, that, and he gets us wrapped up in a bottle of fear that there is no way, there's no how. And, and as a result of that, 
We're in that place where we struggle with fear because we allow our imaginations to go places that God never intended us to visit. Why is that? Because God's not in your imagination down here. He's not here. Where is he? You ever see an old man run? <laughs> He's right here in your presence with you right now, becoming to you what you need him to be right now. And, oh, by the way, P.S., when you do get all the weight, I'm, I'm going to have to sit down. You know that, don't you? When you do get down here, it will come to you what you need him to be right here and now. What's that verse? His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect. Amen. Whatever has your attention has you. And let's be honest. Most of us know when we're yielding to fear. And each time the enemy tells us, oh, you need to be afraid of that. We need to be able to, to just Shout it out loud if we can. Shout out loud the promises of God. And I like beginning with this verse of Scripture there in your notes. God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. You know what that word sound mind also means? It means disciplined. Disciplined. Is your mind disciplined? God, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a disciplined mind. He tells us to choose what we think on. Friend, we cannot allow the fuel. We cannot allow the fear of failure rejection, embarrassment to keep us from living the life that God has given us to the fullest. Look, I'm just going to say, if you're faced with a challenge that seems greater than your ability to handle it, ask God. He's going to guide you, and I can guarantee you, you can rest in the knowledge that he will never call you to do something without equipping you to do it. You know, I love it. When people ask me, uh, you know, what happens if God doesn't keep his promises? Really? You're asking that question. I just want to really ask them, you mean that you're worried about God failing to keep a promise? Let me just assure you that if he doesn't, he ceases to be God. We never have to worry about that, friend. He gives us his promise to encourage us, to help us, to stay focused on reaching our full potential. In the book of, of Isaiah, I love, I love it because God gives just this wonderful promise of hope. And to appreciate it, you really kind of got to understand that the nation of Israel was, was in this horrible just just devastated state. The people's sins had driven them basically far from God at this point. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And what that does, friend, and it'll do to us as well, is it exposes them to enemy attacks and uncontrolled feelings. Say the word that feelings with me. Feelings of fear. But God had a huge word of encouragement that he promised. He, sa he says in, in Isaiah, he says, do not fear for I am with you. Let me, let me just try that one again. Do not fear for I am with you. One reason to focus on God is to realize that when fear comes around, he's with you. Don't be anxiously looking about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, who says to you, who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Look, fear, fear is, is what I classify as an uneasy feeling. That something's not right, regardless of whether it's right or not. Look, feelings of fear triggers an alarm within us that shouts this, this, this warning, this stiff warning. And it also creates uh, uh, this, this sense of anxiety by telling us we're about to face something that we may not know how to handle. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Look, there are real fears, perceived fears, and the fear of God, which is a reverent fear. Now, remember, even when life takes a sudden turn, for the worse, God is sovereign, and he promises to protect us. That's, that's why I like what verse 24 in Jude says. It says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. He does it. He does it. Who do it? Good English, huh? He do it. He does it. Look, 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 look. You, you may not realize it, but he, especially, he is especially close when trouble comes. And, and he wants to calm though those relentless fears so that like David, you're going to be able to walk through the valley and you're going to know, you're going to know that he's right beside you. Hello, somebody. We imagine something horrible is going to happen to us and, 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 and we're not going to be able to survive or, or we'll tell ourselves that it will inflict this, this pain and sorrow that's in our lives so that we'll not be able to bear the suffering. Hear me loud and clear. I will not... I will not falter from this statement. God 
does not want you to live in fear. John reminded us what? It's up there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. That's huge. Chew on that puppy for a while. Understand what it's saying. Again, let me just reiterate, recapitulate, whatever word you want me to use there. But to overcome fear, we've got to learn the principle of focus. And when we keep our focus on Jesus Christ, life's struggles diminish and our faith becomes stronger. When Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and sold into the, you know, into Egyptian hands, he focused on the promises that God made to him. When David and Goliath, you know, faced this huge monstrosity, he didn't listen to fearful words of his brothers or those who were in the, in the army of Israel. He focused only on God, and he won a tremendous victory that day. Daniel, he emerged scratchless out of the lion's den because he had spent the night praying to God for protection and deliverance. He was focused only on the Lord and not on the lions that, that tracked his every moves, I'm sure. Paul was a prisoner in Rome, focused on doing God's will. An entire regiment in the Roman army, because of him, came to know Jesus as Savior because Paul was intent on his mission and not his circumstances. He wasn't fixated on his discomfort, so the fact that he was chained to some Roman soldier, his only goal was to do God's will. Friend, hear me. Often when we yield to fear, it's because our focus has shifted. And, and like the disciples, you know, kind of thing, you know, that, that storm on the, on the Sea of Galilee, they're just crying out, you know. I want you to understand that God has chosen you to fulfill his will. Oh, yes, he has. There is no one who can do what he has called you to do. But fear often prevents us from, from, from doing these things because we're worried about our circumstances. What if it goes wrong? I, I feel you know, so bad and, and afraid I, I, sh I, sh I sh really shouldn't try. Or, or something might happen to me or, or to someone I love. Then, then you, what would I do? I like what Jesus said. He said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Friend, although fear may not be able to kill you physically, it can paralyze you and create this incredibly deep sense of anxiety to the point of being sick. And I'm talking about not just physically, but emotionally. I'll tell it to you again. Fear is one of Satan's most powerful weapons, and he likes to use it against us at every opportunity he can. He watches our every step for an opening in where? Our emotions. And when he sees one, he's 
He's, he's, he's quick to respond. You need to be careful. Don't do that. Let somebody else try. You know what usually happens? If something goes wrong, it, it will happen to you. And his lies just continue on and on. So we get caught up in one thing or another. We get caught up in hearsays and developments. We get caught up in our culture. We get caught up in fear. Friend, remember, the enemy is looking for a place in your life for you to listen to his words. But if you're proactive in, in the way you approach dangerous situations, he's not going to have the opportunity. He's not going to have his usual entrance to do this. Look, we can't be careless. Instead, what we've got to do is to listen for the voice of the Spirit, not the voice of fear, in order to direct us. I mean, there's a huge difference, and I love this statement right here. Fear is, some, fear is something the enemy chatters about. You know, you hear the, the chat about chatter of terrorism on, 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 on the internet that the FBI and the CIA and all these other guys are listening to and what have you. Listen, listen. Fear is something the enemy chatters about. God will never use fear to instruct you. He may want you to fear him with a reverent fear that honors and loves, yes, but he will never prompt you to become anxious or fearful. The Spirit of God may caution you to be careful, but when he does, he will provide wisdom with it so that we avoid dangerous situations. And, and, and understand this, fear sends panic racing through our hearts and emotions, paralyzing us and isolating us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it does. Look at that next verse of Scripture. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfect, perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Friend, when we walk in the light of God's love and not in darkness of fear, we're going... I, you're going to know the difference like I talked about before. From time to time, I'll guarantee you that, there, that God allows waves, okay? Waves of fear to break across our bowels. And, and he does this to demonstrate his love and strength toward us, but he also allows us to encounter difficulty to reveal the level of our faith. Hello? There is a sure way through darkness, through fearful valleys, and that is to walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, when you keep your heart set on Christ, you're going to be able to say with many of the other godly saints that have gone on before us that trials and difficulties are the evidence of God's nearness and earnest desire to draw us closer to himself. 
you got to remember, friends, Satan uses fear with one single purpose, and that is to divide our minds so we will fail in our faith. Faith, however, keeps us unified with God and strengthens us in those times of emergency, trial, and sorrow. I'll say this, I'll shout it, I'll declare it, I'll affirm it. No fear, no threat, no challenge is greater than his ability to conquer it. No fear, no threat, no challenge is greater than his ability to conquer it. Can somebody say amen? The only way to find true peace, confidence, assurance, is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that includes confessing our, 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 our sin state and acknowledging that he died on the cross and that his death paid our sin debt in full. Absolutely. Completely. Take a look at this. It says in John, it says, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friend, the moment you ask him to forgive you, he does. It's not conditionary. When you surrender your life to him, he seals your eternal future with the Holy Spirit. And that means that while you may face a lot of obstacles, and guess what? You will. What, what, is, what does Jesus say? You will have tribulations. Anybody in here not ever have a tribulation? Go through problems, issues. What it means is very simply that you may face a lot of ob obstacles, but you don't have to fear because you're not alone. God has promised to never leave or forsake you. This is my favorite verse in, in, in Scripture that comes out of the Amplified Version. Look at it with me. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down Relax my hold on you. Explanation point. Assuredly not. Explanation point. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. God has promised God has promised. God has promised. 
Why am I saying this? Because, friend, fear vanishes when we apply the truth of God to our situation. The enemy, comes, the enemy whispers, you know, what if? What if? You, you receive Christ, and, you know, what, what if you receive Christ? Then you'll never have any more fun. You'll have to stop doing, going there, doing this. Can't watch that. You can, it, you, just, 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 it, you know, it, it's all over. I mean, you say yes. Sir. But I want you to know, along with every believer, that Ev, you can answer with, with full assurance that you belong to Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ has a wonderful plan for you. How many know there is no limit on this promise? Well, I'm here to declare to you the moment you place your trust in Him is the moment that you take your first step toward eternal victory over fear. God is not the author of fear, but He has made weaponized believers to overcome fear. Can somebody say amen? Father, I thank you for your word this morning and I thank you for what you've been saying to us in the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of everything that's gone down. I find it pretty amazing, too, how the enemy wants to remind us of our past, but you never ever bring it up yourself. I thank you for speaking to us as believers to know the enemy's trying to take our focus completely off of you. But let us remind the enemy no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And when that junk comes in, like a flood, the the Lord's going to raise up a standard against it. Holy Spirit, bear witness.